Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Today's episode is sponsored by Try Vegan, a meal delivery plan that is 100% heart-healthy, plant-based, made without gluten, oils, or refined sugar. All customers receive eight meals and two sides for only $100 plus $9.99 shipping. They offer an exciting new menu each week that are shipped out on Mondays. Based in New Jersey, Try Vegan delivers north to Vermont, south to Maryland, west to Pennsylvania, includes all major cities such as New York and Philly. There's no contract or commitment. And you all, my audience, can save 25% off your first order. Promo code capital L, capital Y, capital T, capital Y, yoga. That's lit yoga. Website is tryveganmealprep.com. Vince is a friend of mine. He is an amazing human being. And I have this myself. This saves me time and energy. And I get these delicious, delicious homemade meals delivered right to my doorstep. So try vegan yourself. Good movement, and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns, so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Wednesday Q&A. You ask the questions and I answer. I have a whole folder of these, so these might have been from a while ago. But I have the people on here, so I'll still call out your name. PTV Yoga asked me, what do you think of yoga therapy tools like acupuncture mats, vibrating guns, infinity straps, wheels? I think those are great. I, you know, I think anything uh, that's a tool is a tool and just that, meaning it will help you. It could be an adjunct, but always be a little wary when you're going to buy all these things because what you might end up doing and I've seen this we see this with everything you know you just accumulate these things and then you never use them so I guess the main thing is would you do you feel like you need an acupuncture mat a vibrating gun an infinity strap or a wheel I have been given a few of the wheels and I use them a little bit and then I haven't used them in over a year Uh, I know that's not a very good commercial for the yoga wheels, but I would say like, I don't use them. I feel pretty open, but maybe somebody that has a lot of, that needs a lot more thoracic extension than I do would love lying on the wheel. 
So I think those are those can be really lovely. Uh, the vibrating gun, I do not know enough about. It looks uh, pretty intense, and I'm sure it's it has great value. But I do know that those can be expensive. So I would say, like, what do you have? Some kind of long lasting myofascial restriction that the vibrating gun could help with because it definitely could. And the acupuncture mat, I was also given a couple of those. And I will say, I don't use them that often, but they are lovely. They are amazing. I don't know what it is exactly they do when you when you lie down. I think it does have some kind of fascial release, but it also it yeah, they feel so good. So that's really, really good for I, I think more than anything, giving you a sense of calmness. I always feel really relaxed when I come off of one of those. And infinity straps, I love straps. Um, I would just, I don't use them that much because I, again, don't need them. So I would say, what is, do you feel like you really need a strap? Would it give you, would it keep your alignment? Then yeah, use it. Like with all of these things, I don't think any of them, you don't, I, I don't, I always say what you need is a mat maybe. <laughs> I mean, you could not, you could travel without a mat, but a mat is nice. You need a mat and a wall and a block if you have one. And those are really the main tools that I subscribe to. But I think those, these other ones are great as well. Just make sure that if you put the money in that you're going to get, get it out and, um, in using them. The, the 830 class, uh, asked me critics about Ashtanga yoga. What would you modify about this practice? So I, I'm assuming that you want to continue practicing, but you want to know how I would modify. Well, first of all, Ashtanga, if you were really, really committed and you loved it, I would really balance it out with some other things. It's extremely imbalanced. It has a ton of forward folding in it, whether it's standing or sitting. And I would really balance that out with more some, some more um, rotation and I would do some kind of warm up beforehand because it really starts you right out of the gates and you're getting into some of these larger movements like triangle as the third or fourth pose. So I would also be the way that they jump back right into chaturanga, I'm not a fan of. So I would, I would not do that. I would lower or I would stay in plank and then lower slowly. Those are the things. It's just not a very balanced practice in my opinion as a physical therapist. It's just really not. But the positive, I think, is that it is there is a discipline that is required to do these things because you really are going through a system. And anytime you go through and you're repeating something with the intention of kind of paying attention every time, noticing the differences, there can, there's a great discipline to that. So I do appreciate that. But I, I would modify a lot of the practice and the sequencing of it because I think that it really overloads some joints and pulls on the ham. I, I know a lot of people who over overload their hamstring and their hamstrings aren't strong enough. So it's not, to me, it's, it's not a balance between strength and length as much as it is about getting a lot of length. And then the strength is very, very dynamic. And like all the jump backs and jump throughs without really building up the core in, 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 the, in the beginning to give you that alignment and awareness. So if you're really dedicated to it, there's a lot of modifications I would recommend. I am Shannon Love Ask. I'd love to hear about building strength. Is yoga enough or do I have to cross train? I'm asked that question a lot. And my answer is always, it depends, right? If you like 
doing other things besides yoga, then do other things that will also build strength. If you really want to practice yoga and get most of your strength from that, make sure that it's balanced. So the way I practice yoga is we spend as much time on our hands as we do on our feet. We're getting ground reaction force through the hands that stimulates a lot of muscle contraction in the arms, through the core, through the scapula, strengtheners. It's very, very powerful. And then you add all kinds of demand to that, like push-ups or one arm planks and things like that. And and you get a ton of natural, um, your own body weight strengthening is what's called. And I think that that is plenty. If you want to really build more muscle and get more density to your muscle, then you might actually need to do things with weights, things like in in a CrossFit way or or in a gym. You said cross-train, but I mean like CrossFit, gym, lifting weights, doing dumbbells, doing kettlebells, things like that. I know a lot of people who substitute that a couple times a week with their yoga practice, and it really benefits their yoga practice. But I would say do it because you also enjoy it, not just because you feel like you have to, like, uh, and then don't enjoy it. So whatever you do, enjoy. But I, I think cross-training is a great way to get more muscular strength and endurance. And sometimes that power that you need, that that potential that you need to be able to like push off more. So for instance, if you really wanted more push, that power, that ability to land and push really well, you might need to build up your calf and um, quadricep muscle and glutes. And you can do that simply by working on squatting and rising, rising up on your balls of your feet, having some weight. You could be holding kettlebells with that. So I think it's a great idea if you enjoy it. But I, I'll just always be a little measured with that answer. I want you to enjoy it and not just do it because you think you have to. You can certainly build a lot of strength just by using your own body weight. Okay, so let's see. Another question uh, is from S. Jennings 04. Could you talk about why fasting is bad for us? Intuitively wrong, but what's the science? Um. Okay, I don't know about enough about this to answer. I'm just going to be honest. I, I've read a lot about fasting, but I don't have all those facts in front of me. What I'll say is fasting is done and has been done throughout millennia by many, many different cultures. So I don't think fasting per se is bad. And in fact, many people will argue that there's benefits to fasting. I just don't think you probably need to do it for long periods of time. Because what happens generally is that I say generally because I'm I'm not going to give you all the the scientific facts with it, but what I have read and what I do know about the body is that you go into fasting and after 24 or 48 hours and you're just mostly drinking, say a water fast as a true fast, your body is going to start to respond by, it takes what has been stored. So fat, it will start to burn that. But you will, your, your brain needs fat. So if you're not eating uh, food that will give your brain nutrition, where are, where's the brain getting the fat from? Well, some of it has been breaking down, but it's still not nourishing the brain. So I do think you start to feel flaky and not totally there. And some people get really angry. And then they say, if you get past that, there is this lightness. And I don't know at that point what your brain is getting nourished from. So that's the main thing I think that's weird about fasting is what happens when you aren't eating and you aren't getting the nutrition for your brain. 
where does it get it from? I know it's breaking down. So I would say you're asking because you might be interested in it. I think start with intermittent fasting is super trendy, but it is this idea of suspending the fast that you already have overnight naturally from dinner to breakfast and giving your body even more time to be in this fasted state. Because what has been shown is that there's a lot of cellular repair that can happen in a fasted state. And when you do that over and over again, not necessarily sequentially, but just like day after day, you're training your body that you don't need to eat as much as you think. And you're giving your body more time for the um, the repair to take place. Because when when you're constantly putting food in the chain, the systems have to break down that food and the energy is going into that. And the longer you can stay in this place where there isn't any food to break down, that energy that's there is now can be directed to other things. So they have shown that like eating less and intermittent fasting is really great for a lot of different th- a lot of different systems at a cellular level. So I would look into that if you're interested in fasting. I O Mar Jordan. <laughs> In down dogs, you ever cue to press through your thumb and index finger? I do. I ever cue to press through that? I, if anything, I press through uh, the the root of the second finger uh, because that is usually directed that energy right into the radius side of your wrist, and the radiocarpal is your wrist joint. So your wrist joint, you have two. You have these carpal bones that meet up with the two forearm bones. There's an, a radius side and an ulna side. The radius is on your thumb side and the radius meets the carpal and, and forms the true wrist joint. The ulna and carpals don't quite meet. There's fascia in between there. So getting that energy from your hands, from the floor up into the radial carpal um, joint is is really important. So that position is great. So when people roll over onto their pinkies, that's not good. But I think if they push push down in the thumb, uh, that can take too much of the energy over from the direct line. If you look at your hand, what is the direct line from your radius to the fingers? And it's the second finger. So that's the one I focus on and everything else kind of falls into place. I don't, so I don't cue thumb and index finger. You also ask if, uh, do I teach slightly bend elbows and down dog if they're hyperextended? If no, why not? This is a great question and it comes up a lot. People talk about micro bending the elbows. I'm not a fan of that cue. There are a few times that I would work on with somebody to get a little bit of a bend in their elbow because of the what's called the carrying angle of the elbow. And they go into not only what appears hyperextended, but, but beyond hyperextended. It gives you like kind of an L shape. And for those people, if I would first work on, can they hold the engagement uh, and keep the elbow in alignment by just really working on the tricep contracting and lifting a little bit from underneath the forearms because that collapse of the forearms down to the ground and then the triceps not working will uh, make that carrying angle worse. Sometimes positioning the hands a little different, but in general, I do not cue a bend of the elbows. I'll come up and make sure that the triceps are working. And there's one really effective way of making that happen 
if people aren't getting it. And what I have them do is they're in their down dog. I'll have them bend their elbows and wing their elbows out to the side. And then I'll have them draw their elbows so they're facing the floor and then press into that second finger root that we were talking about and really press the arms straight without without letting the ribs drop down toward the floor or the shoulders droop. And that gives that tri- the triceps a brilliant angle to fire. And I haven't met too many people who can't get that. <laughs> uh, we want some firming of the biceps. The biceps are kind of in their length and muscle length and tension relationship. So they aren't going to be able to do much, but just keeping a firming feeling there will help this hug of the uh, humerus. And the humerus coming in to the ulna is what forms the elbow joint. And so the angle of the humerus is really important for that, that activity at the elbow joint. So it doesn't look like it's collapsing in. But just telling somebody to bend their elbows isn't dealing with the issue. And usually the issue is they've sagged in the shoulder. So I make sure all of the parts that are supposed to be activated are activated. And then it still might, from our, as a teacher, it might look like somebody's hyperextended. But if you see a lot of engagement at the shoulder and, and elbows, then it's not uh, it's anything to be concerned about because it's active joint. And a lot of women will have a, a hyperextended looking elbow because they just have more uh, mobility there. And that's very common in women. So to, to, to cue them to bend their elbows actually often sets up the possibility of, of not injury, but at least some soft tissue wear and tear uh, at the elbow. And it can feel really crappy on the wrist as well. All right. Those are great questions. Thank you so much as always. Write me with your questions at lara at lityoga.com or lara at movementbylara.com. Or you can find me on Instagram and write me there because I love to connect with you all this way and try and answer all your questions. As always, pulling for you. Have an awesome day. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.